I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Chaos. Chaos is that beautiful concept that everyone who understands physics believes is the reason why the universe exists. If you remember in episode 119 of Slow Mo, when I hosted my wonderful dear friend, the artist Kate Doddy, and we spoke about art and how we are all connected, and Kate mentioned that she was cooperating with a science professor, a physics PhD, a Nobel Prize winner, in analyzing chaos from an art and a science point of view so that we reach the conclusion that we're eventually all connected. And I almost fainted. I said, Kate, I absolutely have to speak to the two of you. And I thought this was going to be a coffee and you know, we're just going to sit together and talk about it. But then we thought maybe we should record that for you to be part of this conversation. Also, honestly, because Kostya, who is the collaborator of Kate on this project, actually is in Singapore. So a quick reminder, Kate Doddy is the British visual artist that is recognized for her work in exploring and re-evaluating the human experience in the concept of the natural world, but also in the reflection of what goes on in our day-to-day life. Philippa Adams, the director of the Saatchi Gallery, described Kate's work as she holds up a mirror to the world, raising questions that bring introspection and remind us of our common core, that we are all connected. So this is the topic we're going to talk about today. You may want to go back and visit the conversation on episode 119 if you haven't heard that already. But we will be discussing it together with a person who I hope will be my new friend, Sir Konstantin Sergeyevich Novoselov. Sir Konstantin is a British-Russian scientist who is the professor at the Center for Advanced 2D Material in the National University of Singapore. He is also the long-worthy professor in the School of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Manchester. And Constantine was part of the team that worked on isolating graphene. Graphene is something we will talk about hopefully today, is the thinnest material on the planet, which brings enormous characteristics that make it very, very valuable for industry and innovation. And he won the Nobel Prize for that work back in 2010. And so what you need to prepare for today is a conversation between an amazing artist and a very serious physicist and someone like me who is completely in love with both. We will talk about chaos and chaos theory and creativity and randomness and hopefully take you all the way to understand how all of that craziness, seeming unpredictability of our world 
is truly the reason why there is so much order and truly the reason why we are all connected. Konstantin Novoselov and Kate Toddy. Kate is a dear friend now. We met on this podcast. You were on episode 119. For for those of our listeners who haven't listened to this one, you're missing out. So absolutely go back and listen to Kate and myself around a a few weeks ago. And then at the end of the conversation, somehow, Kostya, Kate drops the words that she's working with you on Wonder Chaos and the idea of the overlap between chaos and physics and art and and all of that. And I was like, that would be the conversation of my life. I absolutely need to meet you somehow. I don't know why, but chaos in general is, is something that is so dear to my heart of all of the things I love about physics. I definitely think that chaos is is at the core of everything. So I'm hoping we're going to have an amazing, amazing, amazing conversation. We will just go anywhere we want. There are no restrictions, but I just want to start. I think my listeners know Kate very well. I want to introduce you a little bit, Sir Kostya, with the Nobel Prize. So would you, I know it's not your favorite topic, but would you tell us a little bit about What happened? You managed to isolate graphene, and most of our listeners don't even know what graphene is. And you actually did it in an interesting, very interesting way. And then that got you the Nobel Prize and and so on. So tell us this story very quickly so that people understand what we're talking about here. So graphene is the thinnest possible material. You cannot get anything thinner than that. It's only one atom thick. And yet you can actually hold it in your hands and uh, it conducts electricity very well. It can work as a a membrane. So, and it has a number of very unique physical properties. So these days, physicists working in condensed matter, so who study uh, semiconductors, superconductors, magnetism. So they work on graphene quite a lot. And actually, it continued to open even new horizons. To uh, it led to the discovery of many other two-dimensional crystals. So there are magnetic crystals, which are only one atom thick, superconducting, and so on. So a part of fantastic physics, uh, it's being used these days quite widely. So if you happen to have Huawei phone, most likely you've got graphene in it. If you own Ford car, you've got graphene in the cars. Most of the electric vehicles would have graphene in the batteries. So it is getting into our life as well. But we are scientists, and when we started to work with it, as more just, just mentioned, we actually did it in a very, very humble way. So we just used scotch tape and peeled yeah. <laughs> layers uh, from graphite. So graphite is the material which you find in your pencil. So literally, the cheapest possible experiment you can imagine and we just did it this way. And frankly, many groups in the world still use this method to produce graphene. The first time I heard this, I was at awe. I was like, is this really it? And you tell the story very openly. It's basically graphite. Everyone listening, graphite is what you have in your pencil, right? And then you realize that if you have a scotch tape and just stick it like the way they clean instruments and so on, you would get a layer of graphene on it. Correct, and even worse than that. So I didn't really invent it because, well, Kate is showing now on the video. I didn't even invent it. It's uh, 
we actually tried many other ways how to, to produce graphene by making graphite thinner and thinner and thinner, and then everything failed. And then we were doing it with my colleague, Andre Gang. And when everything was failing, we gave up on the project. In the nearby lab, there were people who studied scanning tunneling microscopy. And for that, people use graphite to study it. And usually you want to make it clean because this microscope allows you to see atoms. So any contamination would ruin your measurements. And to make it clean, they simply put scotch tape, peel off the top layer, <laughs> uh, throw the scotch tape away, and then use the, the remaining graphite. So basically, I knew about that, but then it really took seeing it uh, working in, in reality. And then I simply picked up this scotch tape from the dustbin and... So we had our first sample within, within yeah. half an hour. So. Amazing. You know, I, I want to come back to this because it appears to be very chaotic. But but before I go there, I want to ask Kate, so what are you doing with Kostya, Kate? I mean, you're an artist. You're like, you're supposed to not be interested in this stuff, you know, physics and mathematics and all of that. How did you guys meet? What got you to, to work together? Well, I think we need to make uh, make some convention here, and we, we should make it a little bit a little bit careful because from time to time, Kate is more scientist than I am, and I'm more scientist <laughs> than, than Kate. So, oh. so don't 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 offend us by saying Kate, you're not a scientist, and you're <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm I'm interested in this. I'm interested in this. So we'll we'll get to that. How did you guys meet? We met through a friend, uh, a Russian friend in London. And I, I did this project about home and identity. This, uh, I made this I tent, uh, which yeah, was yeah. Uh, we've talked about. And I, I had this sort of, at the end, like a kind of good, but still quite profound existential crisis where I was looking for the truth. So I became really interested in it because the idea of the tent kind of came to this conclusion that our life is what our thoughts make it. So then if our life is what our thoughts make it, what are the facts that we can base our thoughts on? And what, there must be some sort of foundation on which we can really count. You know, there must be some truth that is an indisputable truth and fact that is certainly there and that we can count on. So I turned to science. So I became interested for the first time, I must say, in science before it just kind of dazzled me and confused me. And I used to get uh, 20% in chemistry and and mm. be quite proud because uh, <laughs> I thought I was doing quite well. <laughs> so I understood something, you know. So, and so I started, I went to the CERN in Switzerland and uh, spent some time with the theoretical physicists there asking them about the truth and where do we come from and what's the point and all that they were completely fascinating and then I went down to the seed bank in um, here in in England and uh, where else did I go I just went to all these different sort of scientific places looking for facts for the truth and uh, I started reading about mathematics and uh, harmony and all of that and then this friend of mine said oh you should meet this friend of mine who's a physicist he's uh, he'd love to talk with you about all of this kind of stuff so I was like great and then Kostya came over for supper and then we were friends from then no <laughs> absolutely yeah. amazing so now I understand how you're a scientist Kostya what makes you an artist well that's um I said that uh, I'm an artist, and I'm, I'm of course miles away from Kate's level, but I always wanted to paint or to draw, and in all of my scientific publications, I always draw 
my graphs and my illustrations and mm. my students really get crazy with me because I'm never satisfied with the way how they prepare those graphs. So I, I want to change <laughs> color, I want to change composition, everything. So I always wanted to do something, but I never had a chance. And then I just stuck in China for um, for a few months and I thought, okay, I need to to use this time with some to do something useful. And I thought studying Chinese would be good and studying Chinese painting would be good. So my Chinese is still nowhere, so it's pretty much <laughs> uh, inexistent. But uh, I got a friend who is a very good artist in, in China and he taught me. And, you know, teaching Chinese art is basically long conversation drinking tea because how to hold brush is the simplest way. It's really this composition which we already spoke about, and uh, how do you how do you transfer your feeling? And I'm still practicing it though with with Kate's influence. I'm I'm getting more into modern art, but still using ink and and Chinese brush. And I also actually start to use uh, graphene paint as well in my in my works. Fabulous, which I think is probably uh, what everyone needs to explore sometimes, you know, the idea of we can be multidisciplinary. And I think that's really wonderful. I, I want to jump into chaos, my favorite topic on the planet. So when I heard you talk about finding graphene or isolating graphene, let's be, you didn't find it, right? You said it was an accident, but accidents don't really happen by accident. And I loved that statement. It's literally I think a summary of what most people struggle to understand about chaos. So I, I want to start by asking both of you an artist view and a physicist view, and maybe a combined view that you got when you started to work together about what chaos is. Well, chaos, there is a, a very good mathematical definition of chaos. Yes. If you start somewhere and you, at a certain moment of time, you deviate from the from the standard path really really far away that's uh, so that's cow so you just it's you the uh, too close initial conditions give you exponentially different behavior in time so that's the chaos and that's really something which resonates with art because one of the way and actually with science as well and um, one of the way uh, I usually present creativity is that Imagine you have passes and very very complex passes, and but but you always walk along those along those passes. So that's not creativity. That's following rules. You can be very good at following rules, but unless you really jump away from those passes, you would never create anything new. But our brain is constructed in such a way that it cannot, well, at least in the normal conditions, it cannot deviate from those passes and that's where chaos comes into play so when some small trigger suddenly i usually call it sleeping on a on a banana skin so you walk on a path and you and you sleep on the banana skin and you find yourself in the field and that's the creative moment something clicking your in your head mm -hmm. but that's also that's also a chaotic moment because within a second it just takes you into a completely different surround I love this. I love the idea that when you 
when you deviate from the standard path, which in physics, you know, in chaos theory, this is really what we're measuring, how far you are from the standard path, that this actually is creativity, that I've never thought of it this way. And so the idea is if we want to be creative, we have to stay away from what set path we were told to stay, right? What I usually tell people that the only job for scientists and for the artists, we cannot program our creativity. We, we cannot program that I come in the morning and I draw a masterpiece or I come in the morning and I will make a, a discovery. So you cannot plan it. And of course, people always try and I'm sure that there are tons of books how to enhance your creativity and, and so on. But what we can do and what is what is our job as scientists and artists is to position those banana skins uh, strategically, so you maximize <laughs> the chances to slip over on that, and that's what oh we my do. God. <laughs> that's what we do in the experiments. You really create some devices on the boundary of possible to make them really go into something unknown. Oh, that is so amazing! That is truly the work of art, if you think about it. Kate, what is your definition of chaos? Well. I have this idea, which is to do with my faith, I suppose, in the unfolding of the universe, which is that chaos and harmony are always, it's the same as posture, just expressed differently, that chaos and harmony are equally intertwined at every point in your uh, existence. And exactly, you can slip off a banana skin of thinking that something is chaos or perceiving it on the other side as harmony. Kostya uh, and I made a really cool, uh, <laughs> he had so much fun doing that podcast. But one of the things that was really interesting was talking about time and chaos. And, and Kostya said something that I thought was really interesting too, about how the same events unfolding slowly are not chaos. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, when lots and lots of things all happen very quickly at the same time, it can be perceived as chaos. And so I think chaos and harmony and what we're putting forward in this body of work that we're preparing for the Yorkshire Sculpture Park in September is really saying that chaos and harmony, it's the same thing. It's the way that you perceive something that gives its meaning and that you can bring, uh, if you bring yourself and your, your worldview to anything, you'll see it in that way. So if you think that everything's chaos, everything will seem like chaos. If you see things as unfolding as they should, then that is also what's happening because it's just a question of perception, I think. And so we're doing all these great things. Kostya, tell about the sheep. <laughs> so one of the one of the projects, should we really give a spoiler on the show? So the, oh, yes, the, absolutely. So, <laughs> so it's a new show which we are planning for September in, in Yorkshire Sculpture Park. And the key, the key there are the messages which are written on the ship. And those ships would be so first ordered and Kate, I really hope to get by, by that time to, to UK as well, will be ordered and messages written on them. And then we just let them go. In that way, so those messages, this chaos, and so one of the messages, chaos, of course, and when we destroy chaos, what do we get? So those ships are running around with the mm. word chaos on it and everything is connected, written on them, and what do we get? And then they also, but at the same time, they're wearing bells and they play music simultaneously with the wind, playing music on the same bells in a tree, and Kate's friend, the famous cellist who is playing the uh, same music on the, on the cello. 
So oh, I have I to mean, see it's that. A, no, it's it's a great fun, really. But actually, maybe on on that topic on breaking cows, it's actually quite counterintuitive. You know that if you smash something, if I start crashing my my room, my tiny room here, this room will get chaotic, of course. But imagine if you have cows, like you you are at the maximum entropy. So what does it mean to break cows? So if you destroy cows, do you get order at the end? Mm. So if you are at the state of the maximum entropy, so where would you go next? Do so, we? And that's what, well, that's what we're trying to explore. So how cows is connected to order. So because if you destroy cows, do you get more cows or do you get order out of it? But that's actually one of my one of my biggest questions on physics, because a lot of what we believe is order is a result of chaos, right? So the arrow of time, for example, is a result of entropy. And so that idea that things are supposed to break down, which is what entropy is all about, is what leads us to go through time in an orderly fashion. Is that true at all? I mean, when Kate was describing chaos and harmony, I was like, yes, there is always harmony that's underlying chaos and chaos that's underlying harmony. Well, that's exactly true, and that's probably one of the biggest puzzles of science, actually, where, where time is coming from and why it's only, it's only going forward. Because chaos, entropy, and time going forward, they only exist in, uh, in thermodynamics. And in most of the other equations, they are, they are invariant. The time can go forward and time can go backward. And that's what I'm actually trying to explore in my scientific work right now. And that's what we're trying to work on with Kate as well, chaos and time. So it's linked to the, to the notion of complexity. And if you like, it's only life organisms which, which exhibit time going forward. Because we have, as live being, we have very specific thing that we break the second law of thermodynamics, right? So we create order and, and we beat cows. Mm. And how do we do it? And, and why do we do it? And where is the border? Why we can do it in life organism and we don't see it happening in the other systems. So that's, uh, and, and how to cross this border from where is this complexity border lays? That's the key question. And chaos has this great energy. So when, for example, you look at the ancient myths from, from ancient Egypt, for example, they consider first there was light, then there was chaos. And out of the chaos came mud. And then out of this sort of primordial mud came snakes and frogs. They were the first creatures and they lived inside this chaotic mud. And then one of them became a god and then the god had children and so on. There's always chaos at the heart of every myth. And actually, when I went to the CERN and found it so interesting, have either of you ever been to the CERN? I haven't the actually, place in no. Switzerland. I feel so jealous that you have. And yeah, oh, I want. <laughs> it blew my mind. Like literally, uh, some of the discovering science with my friend Beth, actually, and then now uh, with Kostya, there's been times where they explain things to me and I have to sit down, yeah? So, because my head <laughs> just, uh, goes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, but the, the guy at the CERN, he explained to me, because I was like, look, the great thing about being an artist also is that being so ignorant 
is uh, people think you're kind of joking, right? <laughs> 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 but of course, I'm not joking. I really am totally ignorant. So he was explaining how they shave the particles and spin them around in this incredible... Um, oh, by the way, I have to remember to say a thing about graphene ink and the sun and your little mini shoebox thing, but, I, uh, but I'm going to say that afterwards. So they spin these particles around this gigantic loop and they speed up, speed up, speed up until uh, at the speed of light, they bang together. And so I was, I was trying to ask this guy, like, how unexpected were the results of banging these atoms together? And he said, he explained it very beautifully to me. He said, well, if you imagine that each of these atoms were strawberries, spinning these strawberries around, and you would imagine that from crashing two strawberries together at whatever speed, you'd have something that was strawberry related, you know, or fruit or vegetable matter or some seeds or, you know, like something like that. But he said, but from those two particles crashing together, this chaotic moment of uh, creativity. So chaos and creativity for me are sort of synonymous. So he explained it so beautifully. He said, you get, the results were so unexpected. He said, it's like you crash two strawberries and you get a grand piano and forests of silver birch and, uh, and rivers and mountains. And he said, yes, and, and out of that came our little planet. That's how unexpected the results were. So everything that comes out of that, out of that chaos comes all of this extra chaos and harmony. And it's so, I think something that I like about working with them, um, with Kostya, really this is all to do with uh, this chaos thing is a manifestation of our everything is connected project, which is sort of saying that everything's connected. But um, is the, the dazzling creativity of our world and our universe, you know, and it's so reassuring, you know, when you have these like nights lying in bed, falling off cliffs of anxiety, you know, but it's incredibly reassuring <laughs> to know it's that it, really. everything in the world is constantly out of this chaos and harmony is, is coming, I don't know, little children in their dungarees on their scooters going to play school. Do you know, it's just, wow. <laughs> I love that optimism, but I have to say for our listeners who are not aware of CERN, CERN is where there is this particle collider. Basically, it is the largest experiment of getting atoms to explode into each other, you know, or particles to explode into each other. And I have to say that unpredictability, every time I looked at that experiment, I said we're creating a little sun on Earth. Like we could actually end up with an explosion that's as big as the sun. And the scientists know that when you hit those things together, you get hopefully Higgs particles and so on. And so it's a crazy, crazy thing that we've never done before. And yet they're doing it. And to me, I'm like, man, like, when did we hand our entire Earth and universe to them to do this? I, it's a bit too chaotic, don't you think? I mean, little too much. I don't know. I, I would say if I would know the, the answer for the deepest question in the universe, I would agree to die the next millisecond. <laughs> so I'm a, I mean, of course, we, we all know that the answer is 42, right? So we just exactly. You're the man. So, but I think it is really in human DNA that we need to know, and that's actually about another project about about this interconnectivity because sometimes 
if you look at the history of scientific discoveries, many discoveries do happen simultaneously by uh, at completely different places, really thousands of miles away by different people, yeah. different people think about it. So, and it feels that it's actually, it's not we who are making discoveries, it's the discoveries which, oh, which I love that. us. And it's, and it's like, it's like uh, we, are, we are destined to make certain findings at certain age of the, of the humanity. I mean, I know that I, I don't talk as a proper scientist, but it's uh, <laughs> I've got this feeling that we are the instruments of of something a little bit above us. Yeah, I mean, by the way, even from a science point of view, I, I don't remember the name of the book. I, I should hopefully remember it, but there was an incredible scientific book about that. That not only do we discover the same things across the the globe at similar times, but that crystals, for example, start to show up certain types of crystals or certain types of particles and so on. When they show up in a certain place, they start to show up everywhere else. It's almost as if life is saying, all right, it's time to unveil this new thing for, for humanity to find out, which is, again, seems to be almost the opposite of chaos, right? It almost seems like it's distant, like Kate was saying. Well, but that's uh, that's actually if it is completely ordered, it would it, it would probably be be really scheduled and placed everywhere. It looks like there is a chaotic field which is passing through Earth, and this this field makes us to realize certain truths about the universe. So yes, there is order, but there is chaos there as well. Okay, so I cannot skip the uh, comment of a scientist saying there is a higher order or a higher intelligence would you use that word so both of you what do you think of that well i think uh well kate wanted to say something on the on the previous topic and then we'll continue on no, i wanted to say i think what i think you're saying what you mean also about the bananas and what you're saying about chaos and harmony is also i think if we can develop our capacity to listen that if we listen to the universe as it were then we receive i don't mean to say that we receive information but but it becomes clear what you're supposed to do, right? So, so there's always these, I don't mean turning points, because that's too kind of radical, but sometimes it becomes clear to you that now what you should do is this. And sometimes you're not, uh, well, sometimes I'm not, uh, you know, brave enough or, you know, whatever it is, but situations present themselves in which there is presented an opportunity to become yourself, as it were, and if you can become yourself, so if you look at ancient Egyptian mythology, for example, at the end of your life, they would take your heart. And um, so there's a sort of um, ceremony before you're allowed into paradise, before you're allowed to set on the path to paradise. And um, the god, I can't remember what his name is now, let's call him Neket, receives the heart and he weighs it in a, in a balance of truth. And on one side, there's the heart of the individual. And on the other side is the feather of truth. And what he's measuring is not whether or not you told the truth, as in how many bananas have you got in your box, you know, seven. It's have you been true to who you were supposed to be? And uh, this is what they weigh up when they welcome you at the gates of paradise in ancient Egyptian mythology. And I think that this is something that when you look at chaos and the, the paths that people's lives take, 
I think it's always worth weighing up these decisions, looking at that final outcome. I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> we're, I believe in the Book of the Dead from ancient Egypt, but there are many opportunities for us to get closer to who we truly should be in this created world. And if we can be truly ourselves, then we will make a path through the chaos and we'll be more useful to other people. I think that's what I mean. Mm. Okay, but, but now that's actually the question for more. Can we actually be ourselves or there is something above us which, which actually drive us and drives this, this creativity? And frankly, I, I, I don't know the answer to this question. Scientifically, we don't have any indications of us if, if we are ourselves or God drives us. I've got my own opinion, so I, I don't think that God created us to, to his... Uh, alike so i think we were all actually deeply chaotic inside yeah. and as <laughs> human beings what we need to do is to work to do work like in the kind of cycles in reverse to to keep ourselves away from the cows and and, and until you <laughs> while you're doing this you actually can man maintain this uh, human being within yourself and once ah. you stop doing this, oh my God, I love this. You just fall, you fall back into into chaos, and that would explain why all these atrocities during the war and and all those experiments on the on people who just if you give them freedom and you say, okay, you're not bounded by any any moral rules, they they really fall into into animals. So because unless you do this mental work all the time. And it's it's like your fridge needs to be plugged into the socket, and the and the motor need to work to keep it cold and the products not rotten. So unless mm -hmm. you are, if you unplug yourself and your motor stop working, you you start to rot very very quickly because you fall down into back into this chaos. But whether there is anything about us, I have absolutely no clue. But <laughs> the question about human creativity hasn't been resolved and it's a, it's a very interesting practical question it's related to whether ai will ever beat human or not and oh if, man so if if there is something above the linear algorithm i don't know quantum it is or, oh, yes. or there is or chaotic it is or anything else so, so chaos it's impossible to to solve on a on a linear computer thing so you would you would actually if something like this exists in our brain or it comes from anywhere else then ai would never beat us but i still don't know the answer to this question my next book is coming out mid-September and it's all about the idea that AI will beat us. But I have to admit to you, I did not consider the element of chaos into this. So I, I was basically looking into a linear projection of where we are, where our intelligence is going, where AI is, where their intelligence is going. Without chaos, it seems they're on a trajectory to beat us. Well, for myself, I usually divide my work in particular and also you can do it for the artists as well as the engineering work and scientific work. By no means I'm trying to be detrimental to the, to the engineers and put scientists above them, but they solve two different problems. So engineers optimize the existing knowledge to create the optimum solution for a, for a problem. Scientists are not interested in the existing knowledge, they're interested in new knowledge. 
So the engineering solutions, I would completely agree with you. I think AI would definitely beat us. Scientific, so that's the only hope for me. And that's the same for the mm -hmm. artist as well. So the artist, I never realized it before I started painting myself. I thought, okay, come on. If it's not good painting or a bad painting, it's either you know how to paint or you don't know how to paint. If you know, you just paint and that's it. And it's always good. And I would never believe when people tell me, oh, there is inspiration and something amused need to come to you and to your brain and whatever. I would never believe it. And actually only when I started to paint myself, I, I realized that some paintings <laughs> you just do it only once and you cannot reproduce it ever. Mm -hmm. And what's the difference? I, I can make a copy of it, but it won't be the same. And I feel it People feel it. It's not my, my subjective opinion. So what's the difference be between that? And, and that's exactly the border at which I think AI will struggle to cross. Well, okay, so let's take a break here. I think we're going to break this episode into two parts. Uh, I just can't stop the conversation here, so we'll keep going. For those listening, please continue, stick with us in part two. We will talk more about time, we will talk about impermanence, we will continue to talk about creativity and eventually get you to the point where you understand how all of that chaos is really the underlining order that makes us all connected. So don't put your device down. If you have the time, continue to listen to us or otherwise, please come back and continue this exciting, interesting, introspective conversation with two wonderful uh, icons of our time Kate and Kostya, an artist and a physicist. I'll see you in a minute in part two.